Gone is a podcast about people who have gone missing from the United States and Canada. These people are daughters, sons, sisters, and aunties. They didn't just disappear. Someone, somewhere, knows something. I'm Katie Nordby. And I'm Janelle Feller. These are the stories of Cynthia Anderson and Ella Beth Lodermeyer. Cynthia Anderson was 20 years old in 1981. She lived with her parents in Toledo, Ohio. She was a devout Christian fundamentalist. She had a boyfriend, many friends, and got along well with her family. She was planning to start classes at a Christian college in the fall. Cynthia was last seen on August 4th, 1981. In 1980, a year before she disappeared, Cynthia told her mother that she was having horrible nightmares about being attacked by a man. So... Uh, so it had been more than one night. Yes. And I, do you have nightmares that are consecutive nights? Uh, I can remember when I was younger, I had the same nightmare a couple times. I don't think that they were... Back to back. Right. I can remember having the same kind of nightmare a couple times, but not back to back, no. And I can remember as a child having... Because I, I would say the same. I've had um, where I had a nightmare, uh, a, th- a theme of a nightmare, mm-hmm. and, and the theme would happen, maybe I would have that theme again, or a, a location, or, a, right. or, or I could certainly fall asleep and go back into that same nightmare. Right, it would continue. But, but I can't really say that I've had nightmares that have been... As a, as, a, as a young adult, or as an adult, many times in a row. Yeah. That's... That's scary. That's scary. Yeah. So her mom didn't think anything of it and figured that they would go away, go away eventually, like nightmares do. At the time, Cynthia was working as a legal secretary at the law offices of James Rabbit and Jay Feldstein. She had also been receiving harassing phone calls. A colleague at the law firm said that he was in the office when Cynthia received one of these calls. She seemed concerned and distraught, but didn't give any details as to what the caller had said. Someone also wrote, quote, I love you, Cynthia, by G.W., unquote, on a stone wall outside the law office. The message stayed there for almost six months before it was finally painted over, only to reappear a few weeks later. She did not know anyone with those initials. Can I just say that, that, what? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so this was in Toledo, Ohio, a large, large yes. city, mm-hmm. and this could have been a very large firm. Right. Um, and it's not uncommon for people to have, uh, go by, either go by their middle name or, uh, or a version of their first name, you know, um, Timothy, go by Tim or, you know, something like that. But, um, this is... Maybe switching the initials. Right. But right. you wouldn't do that unless you wanted Cynthia to know Well, and it's just that it's, it was you yes. leaving the message for her. It's just so creepy. And so I, I initially got the idea for this story because I watched an episode of Unsolved Mysteries, a mm-hmm. rerun, a very old rerun of Unsolved Mysteries, and this was one of the stories that they talked about. And on the show, it talked about how 
um, this GW, there was like some misunderstanding, like it was meant for some different Cynthia or something like that, but then it reappeared. And so they had found the GW. Well, supposedly. But when I looked up online, I couldn't find anywhere that, that it talked about, like, sure. GW was a real person and it was a mistake. And or, they found out who the GW was. Right. I couldn't find anywhere that corroborated that part of the Unsolved right. Mysteries story. So it could story. have been a, a dramatic interpretation. Right. Like, it, it, on the show, it said that it was it was basically meant for a different Cynthia basically. Hmm. But Cynthia is not a common name. It's not. And I couldn't I couldn't find anywhere online, you know, in any of the other articles that actually said that actually said that that it was a misunderstanding. It wasn't for Cynthia Anderson. Mm-hmm. Um I would say though that in you know, this she would have been born in uh Cynthia would have been born in 1961 mm-hmm. ish. Roughly, yeah. And so uh so there actually were more Cynthias then. Sure. When mm-hmm. I think about uh, going to school and college, yeah. that there were there were more Cynthia's mm-hmm. than there are now. Yeah. Now it seems to be there's not there's not as many, but there might have been more. There might have been, and I'm not it, I'm not clear on where the law firm was located. Like, was mm-hmm. this in a bustling area where there very well could have been a bunch of Cynthia's that you know that worked in this particular area? And it could have been a female. Right. It could have been a female. Absolutely. Yeah, There's, so that's that's a piece of it that's super creepy. But the, uh, also that they're calling with inside the um, law firm or the office. Yes. What was it? That creeps me right out. It gets creepier. I don't it like creepier. it. <laughs> I, I don't know. want you to continue. I know. Okay. I know. So, okay, so she didn't know anyone with those initials. Um, Cynthia was so concerned that the law firm installed an emergency buzzer at her desk. The buzzer would alert the business next door if Cynthia was concerned for her safety. That's weird. So what was what was her job there? She was a legal secretary. Well, it there is something odd just about that that it didn't identify to the agency itself. What do you mean? That that if she became concerned that the buzzer would alert the business next door. So this door. was only when she was there by herself. Oh okay. yeah, so it was only when she was there by herself that I mean, the buzzer was there all the time, but when she was there by herself to make her feel better, make her feel more safe. So if she was there working on the weekend. Yes. Or, or something. Yeah, so she she normally gets there before everybody else does. Okay, yeah. and and court would, would yes. mean that maybe they wouldn't be present. So Yeah, so it was only for her to use when she was there by herself. However, and, you know, it, it's possible that it's an office you know, an office uh, where there are multiple offices right. in a very small area. Yep. Like a, like a um, mall. I mean, I mean. Like a strip mall. Like something. a strip mall, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like it's got, that there's a lot of businesses that was in a small area mm-hmm. and and could actually yeah. be in the same building. That was my idea of what I thought, okay. what I kind of pictured this this place looking like. Okay, okay. But I, it's still, it's not clear, but that's the first thing that I pictured too Thank was you. a strip mall. Um. Okay, so on August 4th, 1981, Cynthia arrived at work as usual. She was normally the first one there and would be alone for a few hours before the others arrived. When she was working alone, she always kept the doors locked. Cynthia answered the phone at the law firm up until around 10 a.m., then the calls went unanswered. When James Rabbit and Jay Feldstein arrived at noon, Cynthia was nowhere to be found. The doors were still locked, the radio and air conditioner were on, the book that she had been reading was left open on her desk. 
It was open to a particularly violent part in the story when someone gets attacked. Her purse and keys were missing, but her car was locked in the parking lot. The emergency buzzer on her desk was never tripped. This was a particularly violent time in Ohio, and there had been several suspects in Cynthia's disappearance, and none of them had been ruled out by investigators. Anthony and Nathaniel Cook, two brothers who were convicted of nine murders in the Ohio area in the 1980s, were considered suspects, but they denied any involvement. Another convicted murderer in Ohio was thought to be involved in her disappearance as well, but no actual connection was made between that person and Cynthia. That person has never been identified publicly. Convicted drug dealer Jose Rodriguez Jr. and his attorney, Richard Neller, are also suspects in Cynthia's case. Richard Neller worked at the law firm during 1981, and authorities theorized that Cynthia may have overheard conversations between Richard and Jose about drug deals prior to her disappearance. Investigators believe the information may have led to Cynthia's possible abduction and or murder, but this has never been proven. Well, can I say that the... Uh... So completely disconnected from the Cynthia, I love you sign, completely disconnected from the crank phone calls, completely disconnected from all of that. Right. Just overhearing um, uh, okay. Yeah. That doesn't seem like very it, it, it seems it, like a reach. It seems like a reach. Yeah. Cer certainly. Yeah. An informant testified at Rodriguez's trial in 1995 that he confessed to killing Cynthia, but the testimony was ruled, un ruled to be unreliable. Both Rodriguez and Neller are currently in prison due to drug convictions. In September 1981, authorities, so just a month after she disappeared, authorities received an, an anonymous call from a female claiming that Cynthia was alive and being held against her will in a basement. She said the house was white, and it was next to another house owned by the same family. Oh, I don't like this at all. Because, Katie, we know that this is actually, this nightmare of an idea has actually happened to people that have been kept in homes for years and years and years, born children yeah. to, their, to their abusers. I know. I know. <sighs> so it was next to another house owned by the same family. She said the family was out of town, and it was their son who was holding Cynthia captive. She hung up the phone before the officer could ask her any questions. The officer noted that the caller seemed nervous, and she refused to give her name. The same woman called back a few minutes later, but when a different officer picked up another line to listen in, the woman hung up and never called back. And I just want to say that that doesn't seem suspicious. That seems... That would be my response to somebody who had kidnapped a person. Right. Um, I would be very afraid. Yeah. Right. Well, and if it was Cynthia calling, <gasps> I mean, I don't, I don't know. I don't know that it just, it cre this whole story just creeps me out because. You think Cynthia called on herself? I don't know. I don't know. <gasps> but this, that would be a great. Just, she had these premonitions. Her book was open to that page. She, I don't know. I don't know. It, this whole story just really creeps me out because it's so, it's so terrifying. No one has been charged in connection to Cynthia's disappearance. Both of her parents have since passed away, not knowing what happened to their daughter. Cynthia Anderson was 20 years old in 1981. She would be 60 years old this February. She is described as Caucasian, 5'4", and 115 pounds. 
She has brown hair and brown eyes. She was last seen wearing a white v-neck dress with pink pinstripes, cinnamon brown pantyhose, and beige open-toed ankle strap sandals. She has a chickenpox scar on her forehead and a one and a half inch scar on the inside of her right knee, shaped like an open fish hook. If you have any information about the disappearance and or whereabouts of Cynthia Anderson, please call the Toledo Police Department at 419-245-3151. I hate this story. I know. It's I know. It's terrible. I, know. I don't like it at all. I don't like any single thing about it. I know. When I... I, I don't usually watch Unsolved Mysteries because it just creeps me out. It creeps me out, and we already do because this podcast. They're, because they're unsolved? <laughs> so, is that why? Well, it they're unsolved, out? and I, I'm, not a, I'm not a true crime watcher on okay. TV. Okay. Um, I like the podcasts and stuff, mm-hmm. but I just don't usually watch that. But when I heard what I happened upon that episode, I thought, I have to tell this story because there's so many layers to it, and it's so terrifying. I mean, the office was locked. The office was locked. Her... Her purse and her keys were missing. So whoever, wherever she went, she locked the door behind her. Behind her, and they did say that if she were to like run an errand or you know something during the day, she would lock the door. But she would also leave a note. She always left a note um, if she was going to run somewhere quickly um, and leave the office. Sure. And there was no note. It's just it's it just really creeps me out. Can you imagine, so can you imagine if the, she was the person that called, she was the person that called and they couldn't find her because so little information was given. Right. Um, and the person never called back. And if you have been the person that had abducted her, stored her in your, on your property or whatever... You wouldn't let her free after she went past an age that you found desirable. Right. Right. Because, I mean, I don't like anything about this story. No. No, it's it's really, it's just, it's very creepy. And the book that she was reading, it said that it was a, it was a romance novel. But the part that was open was the only violent part in the entire book. And it was open to that page sitting on her desk. I don't know. And then she's having these nightmares about being attacked for a year before. Just, it's, there's something really creepy about it. I don't like it at all. And I, I, why would, for a year... She was having nightmares. Yeah. Um, she was having nightmares. Then she gets calls at the office that are harassing. Then the note on the wall, I love you, Cynthia, by yeah. GW. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And, it, it, you know, her family and her friends all described her as somebody who was you know, she was just such a good person. She wouldn't have had enemies. She had never made bad choices. She was a fundam- she, she was a Christian fundamentalist. Isn't yeah. that what it was said? Yeah, I she mean, was a straight-laced, you know, by the book. 
She was not somebody who made bad choices or had made bad choices or she went to had people who were mad at her. However, they had a, a, a pretty shady lawyer that worked there. Well, yeah. I mean, he was later charged right. with drug. He had a drug conviction later on. Right. Um, but. Well, it seems like a. It doesn't seem like. Um, I mean. I don't. I don't know. I guess I never thought about what obligations do a, employee. Of a law firm. Have, you know, a, a lawyer can't. Uh, reveal information that he has heard, or he or she has heard, um, from her their client. Right. That they, that they are they are bound to. There's some some word for it. If you could provide confidentiality. That. No, that uh, privilege. That, yeah, that they have privilege and they mm-hmm. cannot reveal. Right. What's been shared with them, even if I mean. They they can't. But what? Where does it stand for? Employees of the same law firm overhearing, overhearing, yeah, um, um, in intercepting any conversations or any of that. I don't know. Or never, just seeing documents, grabbing right, documents right, off the printer, typing documents, or anything, yeah. conversations, whatever. But I, I never thought about that. And well, and maybe I mean, if she worked at a law firm, there would be a lot of people who maybe committed some bad thing, bad crimes coming in, going, you know that would have seen her. I mean, I don't... Was it somebody who had come to the law office at some point in time that took but an interest in her? for a year. Yeah. And I'm not and, sure and how maybe long they she may be there. separated. I mean, some of these things might be separated. Right, right. As far as... They, they may not be from the same person. However... Right, right. For a year mm-hmm. or so, she suffered from, yeah. from um, phone calls, um, nightmares, mm-hmm. uh, this thing painted on the wall um, that... If she had overheard something, they're not going to drag it out. Well, you wouldn't think so. Especially if you're hardcore, if you're a hardcore criminal. Right. I mean, everybody needs a lawyer at some point, but um, it doesn't seem as if that's the way you'd go about it. Well, you wouldn't think. I don't know. It's just icky. The whole thing is just really icky. It just creeps me right out. And once again. It is a woman of a slight build. That's what just, there's one, it, it makes me upset because it feels like your case, and the case I'm going to read, are women again with a very slight build. It upsets me because it makes them vulnerable to, to abduction or anything. It also makes me feel better because I am not of slight build. And nobody is going to be abducting me. That means I'm safe forever. And I just, that is, there is some comfort in that because um, no, I will never be abducted. Not by aliens, not by <laughs> criminals. I'm just, that uh, there is some comfort in that. But I don't like that story at all, and I don't ever want you to do that story again. I will have done it. So okay, do it again. okay. Good. <laughs> don't do it again. I know. I have to tell you, though, like, I, when I watched it on TV, I almost had to turn the channel because I, it, it, it just, so it, it creeped me out so much. It stepped on all your nerves. Yes. I mean, it, the hair on the back of my neck. I mean, it was just... But because of that, that's part of the icky. reason you chose this story. Yeah. Because it, because it just, it just creeped it. you right out. Yep. Well, and it's been a long time, you know, and so there's... You know, we have all this technology now, and if people don't know that people are missing, they're not going to know that they're missing. So we have to tell their story. 
we have to we have to right. we have to tell their location. We have to give as much right. detail as we can, yeah. so that they can say, "Huh, right? I lived in Toledo, right? No, I was a weird neighbor. Yeah, lots of scratching that I just can't explain. Yep. Yeah. Oh, that would be. I <laughs> would be. Mm. I would be so happy. Yeah. Yeah. If. I would be. I mean, I think that. Um, that if, if I would be so satisfied if a crime was resolved because of the work that we're doing here in the podcast specifically, mm -hmm. um, I think that our daily work, um, that's a whole different, that's a whole different, that's a whole different animal. But yeah. if from reading the podcast and sharing the podcast with, um, people caused somebody to act, call, question, and a, and a crime was resol resolved, yeah. I don't, I'd never need to read one again. Yeah. Because it would be very fulfilling mm -hmm. to have something resolved. Elabeth May Keller was born in Billings, Montana on November 26, 1948. Her family later moved to Aberdeen, South Dakota, where she graduated from high school. On January 17, 1970, Ella Beth married Jean Vernell Lodermeyer at Faith United Church in Aberdeen, South Dakota. Ella Bell attended Northern State University in Aberdeen and graduated in 1972 from Augustana College in Rock Island, Illinois, with a degree in social work. At the time that, at the time that she disappeared, Ella Beth worked as a social worker for the Minnehaha County Community Services based out of Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Ella Beth's family didn't like Jean. They found him to be controlling and abusive. They reported that he, had he would disable her car so she, um, she wasn't able to attend classes. How old was she at this, around this time? You know, I think that uh, she, was, she would have graduated high school in about, or been of, of 18 in about 1966. Okay. So she was in her 20s. Sure. And, however... This just this is just some of the things that the family knew and would right. report that he didn't like her going to college. He was controlling. He was manipulative, and uh, um, I'll I'll just continue sure. with the story because it'll tell you a little bit more about him. In 1973, Elabeth filed for a divorce from Jean. She claimed under oath that he had been physically and mentally abusive to her. He had once beaten her with her own shoe because she told a friend about the abuse that she was suffering. On the same day that she filed for divorce, she and a friend went to the Pomp Room in downtown Sioux Falls. While there, she met Jerry Thomas, who would later become her boyfriend. Three weeks before her divorce case was set to go to trial, on the evening of March 6, 1974, Ella Beth was last seen at her home on 300 North Indiana Avenue by Jean. She was seen wearing a blue pea coat. I think that's a double-breasted coat. The kind of short. Yep, sure. At the mm -hmm. a blue sweatshirt and blue jeans. The next morning, her co-workers told Jean that she had not shown up for her work. Jean went to her residence and found her car parked in the driveway. The home was locked. There was no forced entry, which means he had a key. Right. Right. A key to a house. I. A key. Uh, on the counter, there was a loaf of bread rising. Flour was spilled on the floor, and pizza was on the counter with one piece missing. 
Elabeth, her coat, and purse were missing. Sometime later in 1974, Elabeth's credit card were found in the women's bathroom at the Canadian National Railway in Dauphine, Manitoba, Canada, 10 hours north of Sioux Falls. Authorities found no other signs that Elabeth had been there. And I guess I'm thinking it's been now we're in the middle of, we're at the beginning of 2021, and I can't remember when crossing the border into Canada if they take your name. I don't think they do. They may now, and it may just be automatic, but they have no proof that she had crossed the border into Canada at that time. So, Well, that's so, that's so far. And, okay, how, how would her credit cards have gotten there? Well, it was suggested because there were no other signs of Elabeth that had been there that um, it may not have been her doing. Like maybe somebody stole them or maybe he took them and gotcha, gotcha. So there's a, there's a couple more things that will come up. Um, in 1977, Jean was accused of putting a pipe bomb in a police officer's car. He was also accused of trying to have two officers killed, although none of those charges ever went to court. Remember, Elabeth went missing in 1974. Yeah. In 1977, he's accused of these things. Um, serious. Yeah. Serious How, how would those charges not go to court? That's pretty because obviously the pipe bomb was found, but but um, he was accused of it. They couldn't prove it. They couldn't prove something. it. In February 1978, Jean filed a lawsuit against the city of Sioux Falls, claiming that he had been harassed by six officers and jailed for nine days. The officers were cleared of harassment. In 1989, Jean was sentenced to 45 years for grand theft. This I. I, I don't know of what, because 45 years seems like a really long time. For stealing a car or something. I, I don't know, but grand theft, I don't know what that is other than maybe it's just only because of the game. I can only think of grand theft auto, but maybe it, maybe it depends on like what he stole. Which, would, which means it has to be of, a... of, of great value. Yeah. And, uh, but 45 years? That's a long time. Seems like a long time, yeah. but... I mean, that's great. I'm, but. I'm, uh, apparently, he needed it yeah. for a couple of reasons. In 1992, 18 years after she disappeared, Elabeth's purse, wallet, and checkbook were found on the banks of the Big Sioux River near Highway 42 and South Riverview Avenue, east of Sioux Falls. The river was searched there. Um, the river was searched at that time, and there were no signs of Elabeth. But 18 years had passed. Sure. And I just want to say that... Um, Two years after he was sent to jail. Three years after he was sent to jail. And her purse, wallet, her purse, wallet, and checkbook. Mm-hmm. Um, the credit cards, because it was just the credit cards that were found someplace else. Right. So somebody could have looked in it, taken those things out. Right. I mean, credit cards in 1974... And how they were used and things are, are certainly different than they, how yeah. they are treated now. You can steal a credit card and use it for a long time. That doesn't mean that right. it was used. Right. It did not indicate that it had been used. Sure. But, but the stuff that she would have had to carry with her to um, do anything, a wallet, a purse, they were found actually close to her home. Right. If she, close enough if to her home. If she went to Canada, 
she would have had those things with her. Right. She wouldn't have just taken the credit cards. No. Yeah. No. Certainly not in 1974. Right. In 2002, after serving only 13 years of his sentence, Gene was paroled. I just want to say that I don't know what he did, because I didn't, I should have looked it up, and I didn't. But after 13 years of a 45-year sentence, I just, that just, I get upset about that. He died in 2013 from an aortic aneurysm. He never remarried. Ella Beth May Lodermeyer was 25 years old when she went missing on March 6, 1974. She would be 72 years old today. Ella Beth is 5 foot 1, 105 pounds, with dark brown hair and green eyes. She was last seen, a, seen wearing a blue peacoat, a blue sweatshirt, and blue jeans. This case remains unsolved and foul play is suspected. If you have any information about the disappearance of Ella Beth May Lodermeyer, contact the Sioux Falls Police Department at 605-367-7234. It's just so it's it's just so sad. Did did they ever talk to her new boyfriend? Yes, they did talk to him. Okay. When he found out that she was missing, he immediately came back. Sure. He immediately went to the police department, took a took and passed a polygraph. Sure. Now we know that polygraphs are only. Um, they can't be used in a court of law. Well, they should be taken with a grain of salt. They can't be used in a court of law. Yeah. However, his actions indicate that he had nothing to hide, and he right. was never considered a suspect. Okay. Never considered sure. a suspect. Um, he had actually been gone the day on March 6th. Okay. And they had been scheduled to call and talk to each other between 9 and 9.30 that night. Uh, he had called. He called three times. And... The upstairs tenant had answered the phone. Now, this would have been 1974, party line. They probably had one phone number sure. that um, it rang so long that, that the person sure. upstairs yeah. answered it, and, and he never was able to talk to her. Um, so he actually was, was not in the area. He wasn't in Sioux Falls at the time and um, was never considered a suspect. Sure. Um, and today, uh, you know, Elabeth's family, she has um, her immediate family, her parents and her sister are gone. Her brother and her and Jerry Thomas are still alive. And uh, she has nieces and nephews that remember her. And they would like to uh, find her and put her to rest. Right. Well, and it just, it seems so suspicious that... They were in the process of getting a divorce. He was the last person to see her. He obviously had a key to her house. Obviously. But then to also tell law enforcement or tell authorities that he was the last person to see her. Well, you know what I, mean? I mean, he had, and how that happened because it would have had to be him that gave the description of what she was wearing. Right. Uh, it's him that was would have had continued to have or attempted to continue to have a relationship with her of some sort. Mm -hmm. The house that they were, that this all happened in, could have been a home that they had owned mutually. Um, it's hard to say. I don't know. Uh, sure. But I liked, in the process of doing the research for the story, I liked her so much. If you could see her face, 
uh, and her long dark hair, you know, very 1970s, sure. but beautiful. Yeah. She was a social worker. She, she was making bread. She, uh, I just, she didn't start dating before she was divorced. Um, she found somebody, I just, though, I just liked her so very much. Yeah. And that, her time was cut short because of what? They didn't have children. Right. What was, what would have been the motive? I, I jealousy. I, I well, ownership, controlling, control, yeah, um, control. I, I if think there was that, domestic abuse, that they would have been. It, it didn't indicate that he was independently wealthy, and she was going to, by divorcing, they would have um, had to split their right his huge, his money. Uh, none of that was mentioned. Yeah. None of that was talked about. Just an ordinary couple, um, young couple. They would have been young because, yeah. but it just is so, such a waste. Such a waste. Yeah. And whoever did it, what did they gain from it? Well, that's the thing. It's just... Just control. Yeah. And for her, for her possessions to show up three years after he was sentenced you know where were they before i mean if you were going to jail you you'd maybe want to clear, clear your stuff out get rid of some things you'd think huh you have a very suspicious mind i never thought of see, that see this is my problem <laughs> <laughs> well, that is really true but i think that i mean that place was already searched and if he knew that the river was already searched where would you put the stuff where when, it's when already you're, been searched when you're you're going down the river because you're going to jail. Something's gonna, something's yeah. going wrong. Yep. You need to take care of your stuff. Yeah. And I never even thought of that. I, I, I thought of it that it was nearby where she was, that her, that where her body was dumped, and sure. um, and that area hadn't been searched or hadn't been, or had been missed or or whatever, yeah. and credit cards had been stolen or or, or intentionally, placed. Right. Right. To throw off suspicion, which. Well, I mean, it would it would fit pretend it would potentially fit his narrative. You know, she ran off on. She you know, ran off on me. Yeah. See, look at those those her right. her credit cards. She's up in Canada somewhere. Right. Yeah. Not her purse, not her coat, not her person, yeah. but credit cards, which are small and can be hidden. Right. Right. But, and now. He's gone, and and then all the family wants is to is to put her to rest. Right, and they can't even do that. It's so. That's why I really don't like any of these cases that we do. I don't like a single one of them because they're so unfair. Yeah. Mhm. And all that potential cut short. Um, for what? For what? Yeah. For nothing. Yeah. For controlling reasons. Yeah. I don't want, if I can't have her, nobody can. Right. That's what it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He gained nothing financially, 
He didn't gain access to any children. He didn't gain anything other than he took her away. We ask that you do not reach out to families or post names of possible suspects on social media. Missing person photos, along with information and articles used for these cases, can be found on our website at gone-podcast.com. I hate these stories. I think we should start a different podcast and only talk about puppies and kitties. Only do a, only do a podcast about funny distractions. Only do a podcast about hedgehogs. <laughs> uh, only- Welcome to Hedgehog 101. <laughs> Today we will be covering spiky things. <laughs> that breathe. And our that nocturnal. breathe and move. And that's all I know about hedgehogs. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. And I don't really think I like hedgehogs. No, I think they're creepy. Because <laughs> those spikes are weird. Yes. And they're also nocturnal. Yes. My and neighbor. they're a little, like, I don't know. My neighbor, uh, um, her and her, her now husband, when they were dating, they got a, 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 instead of a child, which I think is a way to go, they got a hedgehog. Hmm. And, which I, I think is helpful Especially when the hedgehog, hedgehogs are nocturnal, which I didn't know huh. until the hedgehog was staying with Grandma and Grandpa, who are my neighbors, and they said, oh "My God, it doesn't stop <laughs> all night long." All night long. And um, but they are they are kind of creepy. Yes. And they have the spiky things, and the nose, the nose moves around. Yes. Left, right, up, and down. Like a like nobody would know this, but on the keyboard they used to have a little. On a laptop, they would have a little nodule. A little nub. A little nub. Yes. And that's what their noses are like. They move around. Yes. Prehensile. I don't know if that... Oh, that's admit, a good word. I don't know what that word means, but I <laughs> I want it to mean right now that it can move up and down, left and right. Yes. And and it's super creepy. It's super creepy. So, Katie, we only have time for a mini distraction this week. Got it. What, Just, what I, do you have for me? So, I have... A continuation. Oh, no. Of last... <laughs> Can it be done? Can it be separated from last week? Can we do it in a mini version? Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. I overreacted. Oh, no. <laughs> I overreacted. Sorry about that. Um, so these are more everyday items that you didn't know had names. Oh. Yes. I don't think you told me these things before. I did. Did you? I did. Was I, I here? Did. You were. Was it this podcast? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. not my other one. Okay. <laughs> you don't have another one. <laughs> do you? <laughs> in my spare time in your spare time yeah a graph these are all it's all one word a graph the weird cage that holds the cork in a bottle of champagne I don't like that word no I that. don't either I need, it needs a different word like a cage <laughs> <laughs> it's a much better word it than is. that it really is because it's what it is it's a little cork cage yes and I I do this and I've always wondered I didn't know that there was a name for this in Terabang, when you combine an exclamation mark with a question mark. Will you, will you spell it? I-N-T-E-R-R-O-B-A-N-G. Or intero, intero or intero bang. I don't like that term. I don't either, but it's an interesting word because I've always wondered if that was even correct. 
And that's an exclamation point and a, and a question mark. And then mark. a question mark. Not a question mark and an exclamation point. That's right. something different. That's a different bang. That's an outer bang. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. That's an... I have no idea. <laughs> I don't know. That's good. Okay. Nice to know. Arm sky. The armhole enclosed where the sleeves are sewn. A-R-M-S-C-Y-E. You're making... Sky. No, I'm... I'm I mean, I'm not making this up. The internet is making this up. <laughs> That's oh, not true. okay. You yeah. just stole it from the internet. I okay. Haven't, I haven't webster dictionary these. I'm, oh, uh, you haven't vetted any of the information. No. None of this information is vetted. No. Okay, good. Dysania. The condition of finding it difficult to get out of bed in the morning. Oh, my God. I've been suffering from dysania. Every day this week. This is the, the whole, first week my whole life. after Christmas. Yes. And it wouldn't be so bad, but I was on vacation the week of Christmas, <laughs> between Christmas and New Year's. And now I'm back to work, and, and in our work, it's been a hard, hard, hard week. Yep. I have had dysania, or is it dysdainia? <laughs> Those are two very different things. <laughs> Every day this week, and I think I'm still suffering from it now at 4 o'clock on a Friday afternoon. Well, thank goodness it's Friday. Oh, goodness. Zarf is the cardboard sleeve on a coffee cup. These are not made up. These are, <laughs> this is like, like, this is like alphabet, uh, like alphabet barf. It's like just been barfed <laughs> into a, and it's made up. It very well Zarf. could be. They could be. Zarf. And the last one, oh, having to do with wine bottles, punt, the bottom of a wine bottle. I actually Hunt. knew that. Did you? Yes. This is the concave. It's yes. Dark, it'll be con- concave, um, part of the wine bottle. Yeah. And um, the punt. Interesting. That's the only one that I think is actually a true word. I'm just saying. <laughs> I think the rest of them were all made up. Bull. I think it was all made up. So the YKK on your zipper. It stands for, oh, sorry, my distractions, I don't know, my distractions are completely useless information, okay. but only a few of them because we don't have much time. Sure. So the YKK on your zipper, it stands for Yoshida, Kogoya, and then the next word is a very long Japanese word, but which roughly translates to the Yoshida Company Limited. It is, establ- uh, it is estimated that this company makes half the zippers in the world. I believe that. YKK. Yes, I've I, actually noticed those before. Yeah. Yeah. Um, interesting, you know, to be known, to have a, to be well known. Right. I thought all zippers had YKK. I do. Cause that's just what yeah, they have. That's really interesting that it, the word's it's one company. It's one company. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I can see why they shortened it. Well, cause that wouldn't fit on a zipper. It wouldn't fit on a zipper. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a big name plaque. <laughs> Hanging off your pants, hanging off your coat. It's 55 pounds. I don't, why, why are you, you wearing like that? put it in your pocket. It, it keeps on zipping itself because it's, it's so heavy. Heavy. Oh my God. Your pants all the time running around with your pants. Down. You know, it would be interesting. <laughs> it, would be, it would be a very, a very bad design. The 55-pound zipper. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my God. It's Friday. Okay. okay. Get it, pull it together, girls. Yeah, let's get pull it together. together. Beer was legally classified as a soft drink in Russia. It says until night 2011. So is it no longer uh, I think it's no drink? longer. I think it's no longer. I've heard that before. I think it's no longer considered a soft drink. 
Can I just say, beer is still a soft drink it, it, uh, uh, of what, alcohol. But, mm. I mean, technically, soft drink, to me, means a carbonated beverage. Right. They must have just put more, like, regulations on it or something. So it Called it something different, yeah. which is fine. A hummingbird's heart can be up to 1,260 times per minute. Wow. In one species, at least, of the hummingbirds. I couldn't count that because I can't, you know, like, I, I couldn't even, like, oh, take yeah, your, yeah. Mm-hmm. do your pulse because I get distracted. <laughs> it, where was I? <laughs> damn it! I gotta do it over again. Start over again. One, two, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. That's how it would be, but, um. You have a pulse, you're fine. We don't you're fine, you're pulse, fine. I don't need to know. know how many. Yeah. And they're holding a hummingbird. And where do you find a hummingbird's little, their little wrist? Well, how fast do you have to come? What are they? I saw a hummingbird feeding its babies. Aww. And I didn't know that they, re- I didn't ask, I never thought about it, that they regurgitate into their little baby chick's mouth. Mm-hmm. But they have that damn long beak. Yes. And they just shove that right in there. <laughs> it's disgusting <laughs> and frightening. <laughs> I don't, that's totally off the Totally. Well, again, another fact. Just another another fact. fact. I just want to say this was just random. a few random sure. facts. Uh, toilet seats are cleaner than your cell phone. Oh, I believe that. I believe it. Oh. Ick. Would Ick. you put your face on a, on toilet seat, your own toilet seat? No. No. Somebody else's toilet seat? No. No. Ew. This is something we should all know, but chewing gum can't be digested. I mean, I my mother told me this. I, I was four years old. I knew. I you couldn't you couldn't swallow your chewing gum because it can't be digested. But then where does it go? Uh, you poo it out. Oh, like it just doesn't break down and right whatever. You gain no nutritional value from that. But then why don't you see like wads of gum and poop then? Well, I think you might have to dissect your. Okay. Poop. I mean, I'm I'm just wondering. I just I know. don't actually know that. <laughs> okay, I don't I'm know. I'm just saying. And I'm not actually I've never sure wondered you, this. I'm just I'm not curious. actually sure that you that that you poop it out. It could just be sitting there in like a little pocket. Well, that's what I was always told that it stayed there for like seven years or something like that. Oh my god, that's what your mother told you? Well, I don't know if it was my mother, but that was like the You have older sisters. <laughs> I do have older sisters. That was like the the lure, you know, the urban oh, no. legend. But... I was told you that you can't swallow your gum because you can't digest it. So oh. I'm but I think that like a little a little a little otter. Mm-hmm. That has a little pocket for its rock. <laughs> I think that your belt, your stomach has a little pocket for swallowed chewing gum. That'd be a lot. I feel like I've swallowed my gum a lot. I, do, I mean, not necessarily on purpose, still, but... Well, I still do, I think. I don't know. I, I, in a I hurry or it, crap I have gum in my mouth. And yeah. you, Or you find yourself in church walking <laughs> up the aisle ready to take communion. Uh, no, you swallow that. You, you like a like a big girl. Yes. You just swallow it and you yes. keep on going. <laughs> the longest hiccup lasted for sixty eight years. Can you imagine oh, how annoying that would be? My, my coworkers sneeze twice in a day, and I'm ready to I'm ready to just throw them out the building. Oh my god! But a hiccup, oh. sixty eight years. I couldn't. You'd, you'd divorce them. Well, yeah. Couldn't work with them. Couldn't work with them. You can, You have to work by yourself. Yeah. Because it would be so annoying. Yeah. 68 years. Ugh. Oh, well, that was... Those were good. Those were good. I think that we went off the rail a little bit there, but I think it was... Um, it was funny. 